0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Listener supported. WNYC Studios.
2: Uh, Wait, you're listening. Okay.
1: All right. Okay. All right. You're listening listening to
3: Radio Lab. Lab. Radio Lab. Shorts! From w- WNYC
4: and NPR. Hey, I'm Jad Abumrad. I'm Robert Krulwich. This is Radio Lab. the podcast. What are we going to do today, Robert? I think we're going to get rid of something. And here to tell us um,
0: what and why is producer Andy Mills. Okay, so a while back I was talking with author Sonia Shaw. Uh,
3: I, I've i had a very fraught Relationship with mosquitoes for a long time.
0: She actually wrote a book about malaria and mosquitoes called The Fever. And for her, it all really started when she was a kid.
3: Well, I grew up visiting India every summer. And
0: why were you going um, to India?
3: Because my family's from there. All my cousins, all my grand, my grandparents, they were all there.
0: Summer vacations. Summer
3: vacations in India with my cousins. All I wanted to do was fit in.
0: But the mosquitoes would always
4: call her out.
3: They knew. There they, was a
4: Yankee in the group. They would
3: just focus on me, and so they wouldn't bite my cousins. They would be totally unscathed, and I would be, like, covered in welts. I ended up having to sleep under a mosquito net, which is even more kind of isolating, right? Like we used to sleep on little um, mats on the ground. You know, we would just roll out all these mats on the floor and everyone would sleep like in a big, long row. Except for me, I'd be like in a corner under this like (laughs) suffocating net.
0: She says at night when mosquitoes would land on her net, she would
3: think... I hate you. (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm not allowed to do anything to them
0: and here's when you get to the fraught part because Sonia and her family belong to this religion called Jain Dharma
3: it's kind of an extreme nonviolent philosophy you're not supposed to you're not supposed to eat meat obviously you're not even supposed to eat any root vegetables because then you're killing the whole plant mm-hmm. you're not supposed to walk on grass because if you walk on grass you can kill little insects when you pray you're supposed to wear a mask so you don't breathe in any like microbes or insects and inadvertently kill them So I have to act like I'm totally cool with the mosquitoes around me. But every
0: so often, Sonia says,
3: I would see a mosquito land near me. And when I thought no one was looking, I would just sort of mush it with my hand. And I I still can feel like that tingly feeling on my hand just telling you that story. That tiny body being crushed by my hand, I mean, it just, it makes me feel terrible.
0: And Sonia's ambivalence toward the mosquito, it has stayed with her, her entire life pretty much. Because on the one hand, she knows that mosquitoes have gotten a bad rap.
3: First of all, they don't really want to suck your blood. They don't want to risk their lives to get a blood meal. It's the most dangerous thing they're ever going to do because it's so easy for us to kill them. On top of that, when they fill up with your blood, that blood is several times heavier than their own body weight. So suddenly, they're full of this stuff, and they can't fly very well anymore. And on top of that, the only mosquitoes that bite you are the ladies. And the only reason they do it is because of all the protein in blood, and they use that to nourish their eggs. If
0: they didn't have the protein in that blood, nearly all their babies would die.
3: So they're really only doing, they're not even doing it for food, you know.
4: So every bite is just good mommying, really.
3: You could say that.
4: We have to just put out the message that when, when you're being swarmed by mosquitoes biting you, that you're just being swarmed by good ladies who are just nurturing. <laughs> that might just change the attitude.
0: I do not fail to appreciate the charm of the mommy <laughs> mosquito. Good. But on the other hand, think of all the misery They have caused human beings. Oh, yeah. Like with malaria, which mosquitoes spread.
3: There's good estimates that get bandied around by, you know, esteemed experts that one half of all human deaths since the Stone Age have been due to malaria.
0: Whoa. One
3: half? One half of all human deaths since the Stone Age.
0: More people than cancer. More people than heart disease.
3: So it's had a huge, huge impact
0: on our species. We know this. And for me, this is not just some, like, faraway, sad statistical abstraction, right? Like, you know, I used to live and work in Sudan, and while I was there, I saw the children's wards at the clinics and the hospitals. Like, I saw the kids dying of this disease all from a mosquito. And kind of where I'm headed with this is that, like, in a world where we are losing animals all the time and we are sad about that, like, maybe there's this one, the mosquito— that we can actually annihilate. I mean, could this be the
4: creature that we can all agree that we should just get rid of? You can hope for that, Andy, but it's not going to happen because mosquitoes are incredibly fertile. They, You could make a little groove on a rainy day in the mud and they will have babies in that little patch of it's water. It's like
3: a baby party like a baby in a party.
4: footstep. Exactly. So there is no <gasps> yeah, you way can't you're going to be able Well,
3: remember, mosquitoes, you know, they... Um, reproduce really fast Yes, typical mosquito only lives for like a week or so. So many, many, many generations are evolving as we're throwing chemicals at them. And as soon as one evolves some way to withstand it a little bit better, that little creature sort of sweeps its genes throughout the population. And that can ha- happens within like a few years. Like, so three, five, seven years is kind of the time horizon for when you start using a chemical against a mosquito – to when the mosquito population becomes resistant to it.
0: Wow. Well, that's a problem.
3: It's a problem.
0: But, but, what if I told you that we had gotten to the point where we could solve this problem?
4: Oh, you'll have to show me an example.
0: Oh, that would make me so happy <laughs> to show you. Wow. I sent reporter David Baker down to this small town in eastern Brazil to check out this factory.
2: Yeah, it is mosquito factory and <laughs> just as we come in a woman with a kind of electrics tennis racket is killing an insect on the wall a mosquito factory? Yeah, it sounds strange, um, but the world's largest mosquito factory is in Brazil. This is Hayden Perry. Chief Executive Officer of uh, Oxitec.
0: And by factory, he means that this is a place where people actually breed mosquitoes. A very special kind.
2: I think at the moment they're making about $4 million or so uh, a week. Bon
0: dia. After you pass through a couple of airlocks, you enter this massive room. It's a huge concrete warehouse. Where there are rows and rows of buckets. How this works is that Hayden and his company in England, they will send the factory workers here a batch of eggs.
4: And then we remove the eggs and put it all in, a, in a water. I am Aldo Malavasi, director of the Medfly Mosquito Facility in Brazil. And inside each of these buckets, what's that, a gram? How many? How many? Inside One gram. is
2: 80,000 eggs <laughs> and they look like just tiny, tiny little black dots.
0: To get the phase
2: of
4: to After you put the eggs in about half hour to one hour, they start to hatch. And then we have a small larvae. And now you can see lots of,
2: this is lava. These are lava, lots of mosquito lava swimming in the water. Whoa.
0: They look like long translucent worms with spikes all over their bodies. If someone said put your hand in there, I'm not sure if I would. He's beautiful. (laughs) Now, according to Hayden, when these mosquitoes grow up and become adults, they will look completely
2: indistinguishable from normal mosquitoes, except, except that they carry this uh, lethal gene.
0: Hayden's company has actually put a tiny little extra special, extra deadly gene inside their bodies. Which uh, you can actually see. At a certain point in David's trip, one of the factory workers, they brought over this special UV light and they shined it over the larva. Oh, goodness me.
2: It's like something from Alien. It's like wiggling larva that is full of these kind of globules that are glowing red, like from inside its
0: body. Those are the genes that are glowing? Yes. Wow. Hayden and his company, they have genetically engineered this glowing red gene so that when it turns on...
2: It actually produces a certain protein.
0: Inside of these mosquitoes, the gene starts cranking out these proteins more and more and more and more until the cell basically goes... Out of control. And the insect dies. So does that mean these mosquitoes are going to die? No. No. This is the evil genius part. They turn off this gene temporarily. Then, in another room in the factory, (laughs) they hatch the babies, grow the mosquitoes in these test tubes. Thousands, perhaps, of these plastic tubes inside.
2: Mosquitoes,
0: loads of them. Then they separate... females and males. Females and males, okay. Then they take just the males... Put the males um, into little pots. They take the pots out into cities and towns and every few hundred feet... They shake these pots out. And release the mosquitoes into the wild. Those males... They go out there, they are just
2: tuned in to finding females. Remember, those are the ones that bite. They tune into the wing beat. And off they go, find a female. They're satisfying their biological urge to mate. And the female will go off
0: and lay her eggs. The eggs will hatch. And then, inside each and every one of those little babies, the gene will turn on. They'll start pumping out those proteins. The cell goes out of control.
2: And larvae will die before they become functioning adults. So instead of that female laying 100 eggs at a time or up to 500 in their lifetime, she lays the same number, but they die.
0: And they're actually doing this? I mean, they've released these mutants into the wild?
2: Um, yes. To give an example of the last trial, they were working in um, a town called Mandakuru, About 3,000 people there.
0: Mendo is this small town in Brazil that's had a really terrible time with the disease that the mosquitoes spread there called dengue fever, which can make
2: you feel as if your bones are breaking.
0: And it can sometimes cause bleeding from the eyes or ears. And in kids, death. Now, they've tried bed nets, they've tried chemicals. They try everything. Nothing's worked because in the past decade, what you've seen is cases of dengue going up and up and up. Yeah. But... 2011,
2: they started releasing uh, our our males.
0: All across town, they released these mutant males. And then they waited.
2: And within about six months, they reduced the population of the mosquitoes by 96%. Wow!
4: 96%?
2: Yeah, in that town. So in six months, you pretty much eliminated the, the mosquito population.
0: And this wasn't just some one-off thing, because the next year, after the rainy season...
2: Instead of seeing that massive explosion of mosquito numbers, which you get every single year, you didn't see any increase at all. Wow. Because there wasn't, a, there wasn't a population there to, to build up. And this, this is just the beginning. In Brazil, there's been a series of trials... In like, a bunch of
0: different places. They're
2: all over 90%. As in
0: 90% of the population was killed in the first round. And they've released them in different parts of the Cayman Islands.
2: And again, that was the same idea. We had over 90% reduction.
0: They're starting their first trials in Panama. They're in talks with local government officials in India, Malaysia, and the USA. Yeah. Can we just think about what would the world look like without mosquitoes?
3: I mean, California. There's hardly any mosquitoes there. It It would be like California everywhere that would be totally awesome. Oh,
0: that's my right? that's going to be my camp slogan. <laughs> Kill them all. It'll be like California everywhere,
4: Sonia Shah. I just want to point out like you acting both of you are acting like the only thing that happens with these animals is they make humans and particularly human children
3: sick. It's not them, it's the parasite. Right. But they're the
0: ones they're they're the ones who are spreading it. And so if we're, if our idea is you stop the mosquito, you stop the malaria. Then I might I, stop I've a really, few other
4: things. That's all I'm saying. I, call David, please, because he, you know, David. Just call David. So we did.
0: That's a really good mosquito impression, actually. Ooh. Is that David? That's that's, that's David. David. Oh, <laughs> we called David.
1: I'm David Quammen. I'm a science writer based in Bozeman, Montana.
0: He's actually been on the show a bunch. Uh, And uh, what I slapped was not a mosquito. (laughs) (laughs) But the reason that Robert wanted us to call him this time is because a long, long time ago. Many, many, many years ago. David wrote an article for uh, Outside Magazine.
1: Titled uh, Sympathy for the Devil. That wrestled with the following question. What, if anything, are the redeeming merits of the mosquito? All the harm that they do, all the disease that they cause. These critters have a lot to answer for. But, is that the whole story? Should we therefore dismiss them? Or destroy them. Or destroy them, or eradicate them. Did you come up with things to say about this? Well,
0: um, wasn't easy, but I did. Yeah, I read, read, and, uh... And while he read, he said he did turn up some interesting facts. For example, there is this mosquito that lives up in the Arctic. Edes nigropes. Which, uh... Pollinates Arctic
1: orchids and spreads no disease to anybody. Which is nice. But then David made the following argument. Because of their pestiferous disease vectoring.
4: Pestiferous disease vectoring, whoa. <laughs>
1: they have made uh, tropical forest very, very difficult for humans to inhabit, to colonize over the last 10,000 years. Because
0: every time that we would try and go into those forests, we would get sworn by mosquitoes, and we'd run away. And therefore, they have played an important role in bringing those
1: forests forward relatively intact into the 20th and 21st centuries. The Amazon forest, the Congo forest, the forests of Borneo, the forests of Southeast Asia. If there were no difficulties, diseases, threats to the people living in those forests, then those forests would have been turned into settlements, cities, farmlands, much more extensively and much earlier than they have been and are now being. I call them nature's Viet Cong uh, because they are are the resistance fighters on behalf of the rainforest.
4: Why don't we make it harder for you? Why don't we make you imagine that it's springtime or early summer in Alaska, that there's tundra melting everywhere, that there are hordes Mm -hmm. and hordes and clouds of mosquitoes, and they're forming a permanent sort of cloud around you. And then Andy Mills comes up and offers you the opportunity to eliminate them completely from the planet. And he makes this offer as they are stabbing you in the wrist, face, cheek, and ear. (laughs) You would do what,
1: say? I would do these two things. First, I would unzip the mosquito net of the tent, and I would say, Andy, for God's sake, let's have this conversation in the tent. And we would jump in the tent, (laughs) zip that thing, And then maybe spend about 10 minutes killing every mosquito that got into the tent with us. I admit that. Okay, that's Now I'd say, okay, now, Andy, we can think about this clearly. And one of the things I'd say was, well, look, if we're up here, just two humans in the middle of this Alaskan tundra, and there are these millions and millions of mosquitoes swarming around us to get our blood, obviously, we're a small factor on this landscape, and they're a big factor in some way. So if we were to press a button and eradicate them instantly, it's very difficult to know uh, their load-bearing significance in the ecosystem because they're playing lots of different roles as parasites, as competitors, as prey.
0: But but one of the things that Sonia Shah told me is that they actually don't play a big role in the ecosystem.
3: I mean, I really tried hard when I was writing this book to get – A mosquito biologist to explain to me that mosquitoes were useful in their habitats, you know, that they had some sort of ecological role to play that was important. And no one would admit that they had any role at all. They say they're not a useful, um, Nutrition for bats or fish or any of the other like predators of mosquitoes, because their biomass is so small that you know those those creatures would be fine without mosquitoes. Like everyone would be fine without mosquitoes.
1: She might be right about that, but that's not the only ecological dimension we're talking about. That does what not What other dimension
0: might there be? As just as a as a for example,
1: competition. They might be competing. With other insects, and if you eliminate the mosquitoes, then suddenly filaria flies become much more abundant. I mean, when you talk about trying to foresee the consequences of completely eradicating any one species, we just don't know.
4: The real deep thought here is, if you're going to destroy, the only obligation you owe to yourself is to know what you're killing.
1: Absolutely, uh, and by that I mean yes. To know
0: absolutely, yeah, the dimensions, the implications of what you're doing. And what I'm weighing on here, Kwame, is that I, like, I, I too have been to some of these sub-Saharan parts of, of of Africa, and I just was floored that we have a curable disease, and how many like 12, 13, 14-year-old kids were hauled up in this world, well, you know, like.
1: I agree with you that that's urgently. Uh, compelling and important and I feel the same way that something needs to be done and it's true to some extent
0: in the end after all the debate I've ended up at this kind of middle ground well I think what you what we'll aim to do actually Hayden Perry like put to it to dance. me like this we don't have to kill them all everywhere in fact maybe we shouldn't but we can kill them where we live.
2: Eliminate them in our major urban cities and towns, but they no longer pose a threat.
0: We can draw a line and say, you know what, you stay out in the woods, we'll stay here. Because the diseases that they're spreading, they will go away if the mosquito goes away for long enough. Because if we get better, like in, like in America, we don't get malaria, hardly ever. Because there's no one with malaria that a mosquito would bite and then give that malaria to someone else. Oh. Uh, We have a ton of Anopheles mosquitoes, and we have less than 1,000 cases of malaria a year. Almost all those cases are somebody like myself who gets sick in Africa comes back here. Uh And why is that? Because we hit zero. Well, I mean, close to zero in our cities and towns. Once people stopped having malaria here, mosquitoes stopped getting it and giving it to other people. You just got to hit zero for a while.
3: We just have to kind of place the boundary a little bit better. The mosquitoes can still do their thing. Hmm. We can do our thing. So
0: you don't hate them anymore is what you're saying?
3: I think there's a way to live harmoniously with the mosquitoes. I mean, we do it in this country, right? I mean, we have mosquitoes and we control their populations in many ways, but we also get bit.
4: Special thanks to Andy Mills, of course, who, um, who learned bug tolerance through Radiolab. <laughs> Also, a very special thanks to David
0: Baker, who went above and beyond in the pursuit of uh, mutant mosquitoes. And thanks also, big thanks to writer Sonia Shaw, And to you guys for listening, I'm Jad Abumrad. I'm Robert Krulwich. See you next time. This is Eric and Rebecca,
4: and we're calling from St. Croix,
0: in the U.S. Virgin Islands,
4: where we just sailed down from Savannah, Georgia,
0: in an 88-year-old Grand Banks Gloucester fishing schooner.
4: Radio Lab is supported in part by the
0: The National Science Foundation
4: and by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation,
0: enhancing public understanding of science and technology in the modern world.
4: More information about Sloan at
0: www.sloan.org.
1: I'm David Remnick, and each week on the New Yorker Radio Hour, my colleagues and I unpack what's happening in a very complicated world. You'll hear from the New Yorker's award-winning reporters and thinkers, Jelani Cobb on race and justice, Jill Lepore on American history, Vincent Cunningham and Gia Tolentino on culture, Bill McKibben on climate change, and many more. To get the context behind events in the news, listen to the New Yorker Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts.